right. So, um, the Bible is obviously not disenchanted uh, in the way that our culture is. From start to finish, it's a universe that's populated by spiritual beings, all kinds of spiritual beings. It's populated not only by demons and a devil, but by a Trinitarian God, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who have been in fellowship with each other for all of eternity past. And so to believe in God and trust in his word means by implications that we take a stand and we believe contrary, by the very nature of being Christians, we believe contrary to the disenchantment of our culture. We don't buy in to the disenchantment of our culture. Not, at least not intellectually. We do because we're, we're in it, like I said. But we try not to be. We try not to buy into that. So what's the Bible's advice on winning a fight with the devil? Paul gives us uh, advice in this passage. It's not everything that should be said or could be said. But if you follow what's said here, you've got a great foundation and you will do well. Um, so we're going to look at four things. And the first one is, is that we need to know our enemy. You need to know your enemy. And if I with the devil, it might, uh, it might be helpful to have signs, you know, that kind of show us what to do. Should we run into the devil? Uh, I'm a little bit joking there, but uh, have you ever gone uh, hiking out west? You probably have come across signs about mountain lions. And they tell you what to do if you run into a mountain lion. So this one has all kinds of great advice, like keep your children close by as you're walking on the trails and things like that. But if you come in, if you encounter a mountain lion in capital letters, the most important thing to realize, do not run. Stay calm, which is, <laughs> that's an interesting one. Um, pick up your young children. And then, probably the most important advice besides not running, stand tall, make lots of noise, make yourself, it doesn't say it this year, but it's the idea of making yourself big. So you're like, ah, and it says if there are branches nearby, start, you know, shouting and grabbing the branches and shaking the branches, slowly back away while facing the animal. And if the lion attacks, I like this in the capital letters, fight back. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know, maybe they'd get sued if they didn't put that in there. Um, so I like it better than this other sign. This is an actual sign, but I don't think anybody has ever put it up there. It says, face a lion and moonwalk. Attempt to fly away. Offer your children for a sacrifice. And if attacked, get eaten. That's the, uh, the opposite uh, of that. So uh, maybe you read the story last year. I think it's within the last year about the guy who confronted, was confronted by a mountain lion while he was on a hike, and he killed it with his bare hands. How many of you heard that story, read that story? Okay. Now, a lot of times I just read the heading, <laughs> and I think I saw it three times before I actually read the story, because I'm just like, how do they know? You know they have a video camera of him killing it, he probably just killed it and says, I killed it with my bare hands. Actually, uh, everybody thinks he did, and uh, it's kind of interesting because he tried doing a lot of that stuff. Don't run, make yourself big, make all kinds of noise, and the lion still attacked him. And actually, the reason the lion didn't heed the warnings is the same reason he was able to kill it. So if you don't know the story, the reason he was able to kill it is because it was a young, dumb lion. Very foolish, young mountain lion. Big enough to kill him small enough for him to get his hands around its neck and be able to choke it. 
And, um, and so, uh, uh, if you come across, <laughs> my segue is hurting here. Um, <laughs> if you come across the devil, and you will, what do you do about it? It's in this passage, so take a look, and it's, it's uh, specifically this, this idea of know your enemy, all right? So beginning in verse 10, uh, let's, let's look at what it says, beginning in verse 10. So it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against, and here you learn something about him, against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What are some things we learn about our enemy in this passage? One of the things we learn is that he is a schemer. That, uh, that we have a scheming devil, that he's a master of disguises, or some of the things that we learn that, that tie into that from other passages. He's sneaky. And that means if you're not convinced, and if you're not on guard, the reality is by the time you realize that that's what you're up against, it might be too late. Not necessarily ultimately too late, but, but too late. You've already given ground. So he's a schemer. Second thing we learn is that he's a spiritual being. He's a spiritual being. It says we're not fighting flesh and blood. Um, there's something deeper. Transcendent is another way to say it. There's something transcendent that's going on here. By the way, one of the ways that we can love our enemies, Jesus told us to love our enemies, especially when they oppose us for our faith, we're to love them. One of the ways is to recognize they are captives of spiritual force, powerful spiritual forces in our world. And that should form some compassion in our hearts, even if we're being attacked. They've been duped. Uh, the third thing we learn is that he's powerful. I mean, there's this vast array of terms that are used here against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I mean, listen to that. Listen to that powerful foe that's being described here. Spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Spiritual forces. All right, so we need to know the enemy. Secondly, we need to arm ourselves. You need to arm yourself. So look at the armaments at our disposal. We'll, we'll read back again because it, it flows a little bit better. Read back again verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's scheme. For our struggle is not with flesh and blood. All right, now pick up in verse 13. Therefore, because it's not with flesh and blood, because it's a spiritual powers. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, and after everything... Um, you, you take a stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. 
With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. All right. So what are the armaments? There's two broad categories. The first category is God himself. So right at the very beginning, it says we're, we're, we have God himself on our side. That's right there in verse, in verse 10. We're not supposed to cower uh, when we hear about spiritual evil forces. That's not what we're supposed to do. Now, some people get all bent out of shape over the idea that there are spiritual evil forces and that they are powerful. They're forces. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and all that language. Uh, that's not good to cower to the devil. Uh, so what we oftentimes do is we, we minimize in our minds, maybe even in our words sometimes, we minimize the power of these spiritual evil forces. Well, Paul is not minimizing it, is he? <laughs> he's saying these are powerful evil forces. And he's like piling it on there to try to get us to go, okay, okay, we get it. These are powerful. He's not minimizing it. Don't minimize the power of spiritual evil. What you do is you maximize the power of God. That's what we have to do in our minds and in our words. We need to maximize the power of God. Be strong, Paul says. Well, how? Well, in the Lord and in the Lord specifically his mighty power. In light of his mighty power, then uh, spiritual evil forces have, you know, have nothing compared to him. That doesn't mean they have no power. They are powerful but it's the Lord's mighty power. So the first category is just God. That's where it just starts out. The second category is the armor of God. And in a sense, it's almost saying put on God. Because what Paul does here, this passage is dependent on Old Testament passages from the prophets. And so in the Old Testament passages, sometimes it describes God as this mighty warrior and it talks about his breastplate and all these things. Paul is is, is taking an Old Testament prophetic passage and bringing it into to his day and saying, this is what we have. We have God in his mighty armor. Part of the idea, though, is also we get to borrow his armor. It's his armor. It's God's mighty armor, and we get to borrow his armor, his equipment. So what, what is behind the pieces of armor? What are our armaments if we're going to put these on? Um, it comes down to this. Truth, righteousness, the gospel, specifically saying the gospel of peace, faith, salvation, and the word of God. Now, each one of these could be many sermons, sermon series, each unto itself. We are going to, in I think a couple of weeks, we are going to zero in on this one because we'll be in Hebrews 11. We're going to look at that passage uh, on faith. Um, but these are the armaments that God has, has, that God wears, that he gives us. And... Um, these are spiritual forces that we have. In God and in his armor are where the power resides. In God and in his armor is where we have the power to win against spiritual evil forces. But each one of these resources that were in that list are being attacked every day implicitly and explicitly. It's nothing new, it's always been, but it's especially strong in a disenchanted world. A world where our culture as a whole does not talk about, think about, or offer any kind of like instruction on spiritual forces that are in our world. Everything is outside of that, and because everything is outside of that, 
it is, I mean, it's just by the fact that it's not even mentioned, and when it is mentioned, it's usually ridiculed, that in a disenchanted world, that it's, it's, it's difficult um, because it's being attacked. It feels like it's being attacked. And so um, here's some examples uh, from a recent New York Times uh, interview. And so around Easter, all the, all the magazines and newspapers, they all have stories about uh, religion, Christianity, the resurrection, things like that, what people believe about it. And so this was right before Easter this year, and they interviewed this person. And here, here were just a few things that this person in their, okay, this is, we're, we're going to focus on this because it's Easter, so we bring in someone who's going to say this about Christianity. So this is what this person said. Crucifixion is not something that God is orchestrating from upstairs. The pervasive idea of an abusive godfather who sends his own kid to the cross so God could forgive people is nuts. All right? So uh, another thing that this person said in the interview, God is beyond our knowing. God is not a being. God is not an essence. God is not an object. I don't personally, in all seriousness, know what's left. But God isn't any of those things. And then this person says, I find the virgin birth a bizarre claim. All right, you go, okay. No big deal. They, they brought in a, one of the new atheists who, wants, who doesn't like Christianity and feels it's bad for the world, so wants to destroy it. They brought in a skeptic who maybe has been hurt by Christianity and... Um, has some visceral feelings about it. Um, no. It's a seminary president. S seminary, president of a seminary that is one of the leading uh, progressive, theologically progressive seminaries in the United States. And that's what, what this person had to say. So, uh, here's now focusing on Easter. Here's what she said. What if tomorrow someone found the body of Jesus still in the tomb? Would that then mean that Christianity was a lie? No. Faith is stronger than that. Now, interestingly, that actually, I mean, this is, I mean, we could do this with everything that, that she said, but this goes, like, strictly against what Paul says about the resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15. What in the liturgy of the churches, where she is training pastors to go out, would be reading that weekend. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, Paul says, our preaching is useless. And so is your faith. So, it's just, um, just really, really interesting. Um, because this is a person who's training pastors to go out. Uh, where would this person arrive? How, how do we go from a faith where Paul says, listen, if there's no resurrection, there is no faith. There's no Christian faith. You're wasting your time. To a person who says, That's a these are all these kind of miracles that the Bible talks about are bizarre, nutso type ideas. The atonement, nutso idea. How does a person get there? Well, it starts and it always starts with undermining one of the resources that we have for uh, fighting the devil and fighting the spiritual forces. The last one, the Word of God. That's where it always starts. It always has. Uh, 
all the way back into ancient times, the ancient heresies always begin by attacking the Word of God, taking things out of the Word of God, or completely reinterpreting them with the spirit of the age. Whatever the age says at that time is the way to think and the right thing and whatever, you just read that back in and you take out what it actually is saying. You just ignore what it actually is saying. So once you start attacking the Word of God, then you kind of go at truth, and then everything else starts to fall. What the Bible says about how to get right with God. What the Bible says about the gospel. What the Bible says about faith. What the Bible says about salvation. All of those begin to fall when you kind of undermine the word of God and then undermine uh, truth. Truth just gets relativized. So why am I talking about this? Because every single one of us, every single one of us, including myself, we are tempted to undermine the authority of the Bible um, in our life. Uh, if, if you or I buy into the many schemes out there to undermine the Bible, and there are all kinds of schemes out there to undermine the Bible, uh, you may never come to the point where you're as so audacious as this seminary president, president as to completely reinterpret the faith and still feel that she has the right to still call it Christianity. <laughs> you may never be that audacious you will probably do what most people do, which is you'll just step out of Christianity, just out of integrity. You just go, I can't. I, integrity meaning you, you can't integrate it anymore, and you go, I just, I just can't, I can't stay in this. So, I'm going to state it really plainly. If you undermine the authority of the Bible in your life, according to this passage, and according to just looking at experience, you will be defenseless, basically defenseless against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. You're, you're not gonna have a whole lot to be able to go up against those forces. And it's very important to hear this, very important to apply the Bible in this way to our lives. Okay, so the third way that we win a fight with the devil is we pray in the spirit. Pray in, he doesn't say just pray, he says pray in the Spirit. It's a really interesting thing. I'm going to show you the verse, verse uh, 17, in the ESV, because it's more helpful than the NIV in this case. So it says, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The sword of the Spirit equals Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. What's it saying? It, it, it very clearly is saying, pray, take the spirit-inspired word into battle. Live a praying life because it's all the time. It's talking about a praying life all the time. And drenching all your prayers in the spirit-inspired word of God. You want to pray in the spirit? Let the Bible be your guide for prayer. Let it be your prayer book. It's not, it, it is a book that teaches about God, ourselves, the world, everything, but it is also a prayer guide. Um, it shows us how to pray, and prayer isn't just for mornings, evenings, and meals. Prayer is supposed to be what our life should be. We should live a praying life. So here's the last one. Um, the last way to win a fight with the devil is don't let down your guard. Don't let down your guard. So in verse 18, Partway through it says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, there could be easily a fifth one here. And the last time I'm like, ah, I missed it. 
but praying for all the Lord's people, I mean, a fifth way is we, we need to be praying for each other, but I'm not going to have that. You can write that in as a fifth point. But what I'm focusing on, keep alert, keep alert, and, uh, which means don't let down your guard. So some researchers uh, at Western uh, Washington University a while back conducted an experiment. It was an experiment about how distracted we get when we're on cell phones. And there are all kinds of phases to the test. But in one of the phases of the test, they would have, uh, they would go into like the squares where people walk between buildings, uh, students, and they would have a clown on a unicycle riding around. And then they would stop people and say, did you see the clown? <laughs> and uh, interesting statistics, but one of them was uh, if they were walking with other people and talking, they saw the clown just a little over 50% of the time. Just didn't even see the clown riding around on a, a m much more done up clown than this guy who's not a clown, but is close to it. Um, so so uh, he, they, they, they would do that. If someone was on the cell phone, 75% of the time, they did not see the clown. <laughs> they're walking like this, there's a clown going, <laughs> and they're missing the clown. Uh, that's how this right. Now, I'm, that's, I don't, I, I'm not talking about distraction with cell phone, okay? That's another day. Um, Here's the point. We often and easily miss what is right in front of us. We do. In the case of the devil, we have a scheming devil who, um, who uses deception. No doubt, the scripture shows us, to mask his presence. And very specifically in the Bible, in 2 Corinthians 4, 11, 14, it says that he masquerades as an angel of light. I mean, just to be aware, there's spiritual evil forces that want to make something that is wrong look like right. Something that's destructive look like it's good for us. I mean, just to be aware of that, to be uh, alert to that reality. Jared Wilson writes, says, Satan is a fantastic student of humanity. Every day, Satan takes all this information that he has been gathering for thousands of years and he puts it to work, playing all the angles he can exploit in order to bring us down. He is at work every minute of every day to make sure that we will fail. The enemy is often more conscious of our weaknesses than we are. And he will do whatever it takes to get us to neglect our faith and forget the grace of God. It's for this reason that Paul's words are so strong on the subject of spiritual war. This is not something we can afford to be nonchalant about. This is not something we can afford to be nonchalant about. Know your enemy, he's a schemer. Deploy the resources that God has given you. Put on his armaments. Pray in the spirit, live a praying life, drench with a life, thoughts drenched with the story of God, the scriptures. And don't let down your guard. That's how, basically, you win a fight with the devil. Let's pray.